Welcome, Crusaders and friends, to Ashes Pathfinders, episode 69, where it's not an ERP episode, self-disclosure or, you know, disclosure, (laughs) answering the call, which will explain why that's relevant today. But I am joined by my two guests, Wondering Mist and Pacha. Pacha and Wondering Mist, welcome back, friends. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing good. good. How about you? Not bad. We were over here laughing pretty hard about this. Look, like I made a, I kind of said something last time. I think it was something along the lines of feeling awkward about the fact that episode 69 is something probably people were going to give a hard time. And you know, what's what makes it even more awkward. This is our two year anniversary episode. Um, so let's try not to make this an ERP slash awkward slash inappropriate one. And the it starts with me though, right? So oh. <laughs> you know what? I forgot to bring my maid's outfit. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Look, look, we had a really great uh or I, I should say I had a really great time over on the Golden Feather podcast yesterday, where quite frankly, it was a it was a great time. Um, a lot of a lot of fun. Uh Crusaders, you all definitely showed up in full force. Showed a lot of love and uh, mm-hmm, not responding to that in chat. And if you're not here and you're watching this on YouTube later, <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll have to just come back. Demonetized. Yeah, you just have to come back and see what's going on. Right. This this could be a way to lose my affiliate agreement without me having to, like, essentially beg them and then also feel a little bit of sense of justice about it. But my Lord Seymour, welcome everybody in chat, man. Welcome, welcome, friends. So. We will, again, as always, have this up uh, on YouTube within like the next 24 hours. Uh, We'll have it up on all of the podcast places, locations uh, here here within the next probably several hours after the show's over. And then, of course, I got to give a big shout out to all of the Patreon supporters, Paladins of the Crusade, or over on YouTube if you support this. Uh, Definitely, definitely appreciate every one of you for supporting the show keeping the torches lit so the crusade and pathfinder show marches forward right so gentlemen we've had a it's been a pretty pretty busy few weeks now uh the past couple weeks we have had a lot uh, in terms of conversation the ashes of creation community but also i'm going to expand this episode and talk a little bit about some of the dialogue discussions things like that that have actually been occurring in some of the other mmorpg communities uh, I had uh, two pretty extensive uh, Q&A sessions and interviews with the developers of Saga Leucemia and Defend the Night uh, in this past week on Tuesday and Thursday. So if those games resonate, interest you or anything, definitely check uh, the VODs out there over on the YouTube where they are in much better quality. Um, but I definitely had like a lot of takeaways from my conversations with those developers uh, all around just really cool people had really good conversations in terms of not only their games and their uh, design for what they have planned for the MMORPGs that they're creating, but also for um, just their take on the genre and kind of like some of the things that have been happening. I know here on the show and even in the communities, even Ashes, we've talked about, you know, some of what happened with Chronicles of Illyria. um, And definitely there's going to be a big influx into uh, any of the MMORPGs that are, doing well or staying the course i think they're all going to find that a lot of people that 
uh, found themselves kind of lost as a result of that game flopping um, will probably make their way to Ashes and some of the other ones. But do you know what's interesting? This was actually brought to my attention recently. I don't have the link on hand, but I will definitely have to find it and post it in the Crusade soon. There was an update for Chronicles of Illyria. Yes. Did you see that? There was. On their Uh Kickstarter? So hold on. I'm sorry. I'm so boxing this shit right now. Okay, so literally (laughs) you want to kickstart your game, right? Take the, the money that you had, right? Meanwhile, potentially giving yourself as the CEO a $233,000 salary every year or something like that, right? Allegedly, right? That, yeah. And then two two weeks before uh, you call it, right, you go and do a crowdfunding effort again to get as much money as you can before you say, okay, sorry, we're done. Here's this POS that we have to show you all. Sorry it was some really weird parkour sort of whatever that was. And then, and this is, this is the icing, right? This is the, this is the part that triggers me, right? You're taking money for a game. You have almost nothing to show for, right? And then you call it and then you come out on your Kickstarter and go, we're trying to raise some more money. Yeah. You gotta be kidding me. So I had a, somebody that was telling me, you know, this could have been them trying to get some bailout money from the government. Yeah, it looks like that. I mean, just look that they're, they're trying to blame the uh, the COVID pandemic Jeez. for the re- partly why the reason why they ran out of funds. Yeah. Um, I find that kind of hard to believe. Yeah, I'll honestly, buy I'll buy it, man. I'll buy it. Uh, that's a little bit odd. Nah, I man. don't buy it for a second. And honestly, like. Yeah, I think either they're trying to get some bailout money from the government or they're just trying to milk their like their true believers even further Ooh. because that game is never coming out. That's, that game is shut down. It's dead. He admitted it himself that basically like they're never going to do anything with that game. And it was like basically never his intention to cancel the game, but obviously it was. With the, with the salary he gave himself, like, what are you doing? That's the salary of a CEO of a... You work for free, pretty, homie. Like, a, <laughs> of a successful <laughs> small business. Yeah. You, you, if you're put... I'm sorry. It, you live out the damn studio. I'm not me. You live out the studio and you definitely don't take that cut, man. You you pay... No. You literally pay, like, necessities. And yeah. if it's really a passion project, you're not pocketing that kind of money, man. You're like, just If not. it's a passion project, you would basically give yourself a salary that allows you to live. That's it. So, Wait. like, if basically for you, for where your studio is, you need thirty-five thousand a year. That's what you. That's what you get. And the rest of the money goes to the development of the game. Like that's it. That's how you should build your budget. Don't yeah. give yourself a quarter of a million dollars. Like, what the hell are you doing? And people are probably I mean, going. I, why I can see why he's doing it. <laughs> he, he's giving <laughs> himself that full CEO salary because he is acting like a one of those big corporate CEOs. Like he's oh, yeah. he's literally embracing his uh, Todd Howard yeah. impression right now. <laughs> I mean, honest, let's be honest. That parkour game, it just worked. It was just perfect, <laughs> right. <laughs> totally an MMORPG, right? <laughs> totally totally resembles it and this is and this is myself role uh, playing between those two walls 
Dude. This is like, so why is this all relevant, right? Like, you know, this is the thing too, is this, this makes Ash's APOC look way better in comparison. Cause you're, when you look at product release low, yo, at least they're like coming up and going, Hey, we got an alpha one, check it out. At least it gets to that point when this is like, Hey, sorry, here's what you paid for. And then look, and why is this relevant to ashes of creation? You also said true believers, which is something I think is going to be important to talk about too. Right. And, and because I, why am I still boxing this? Why is this triggering me? Right. This triggers me because you're literally talking about from, from my perception. Right. And this is, look, I could be wrong. I'll be open to the fact that I could be wrong. I could be seeing something distorted. I'll own it. Right. I don't have a problem owning that. It's possible. But the reason that it triggers me and it bothers me so much is because you're literally purposefully, right? You can't, you cannot frame this any other way. You pull the plug two weeks after you're doing crowdfunding. If you even have an idea that you're potentially not going to make it, don't take money from people that believe in something you don't. Mm -hmm. Like you knew he should have known and everyone, not even he should have known, he knew that this game was going under before he started doing that new crowdfunding thing. Like those are things that, you know, months and months in advance. If you, if you have, if you hire an accountant for like to do one job, like one small analysis that that will cost you what, 150 bucks, he'll be able to tell you you're going bankrupt in a year. Hmm. So, why didn't he know? I don't buy it. Takers, that's why. Using people. Because of them true believers. And you could milk that coin. True believers. You could exploit the coin purse, man. Yeah. And now he's uh, playing the sob story. I mean, just this. How can I get more money? Got there. Yeah. 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 I mean, look at what he's written here. Yes. Like, I'll read out from this. This is from the latest update from the Kickstarter. The March 24th statement was ultimately born out of a concern for the development team and their opportunity to secure alternative paying work as quickly mm-hmm. as possible, as well as awareness of our community's need to prioritize secure food and shelter during this time. What? What? Huh? That <laughs> makes literally no sense. Why? Mm-hmm. What the hell? No, just no. All right. What are you doing? So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to reel it back a little bit here. Get back on track, Sim. Get back on track. Right. <laughs> but the Illyria but, but Sam. Check this out. Which but here is, is here is here's why this is relevant, right? It's no wonder with this kind of stuff happening, why people would be so critical of an MMO in development. Oh yeah. And why they're not already held to the flames almost like from the beginning by like the majority, right? You already have this overarching narrative that there's probably going to be deception. They're probably not going to follow through. They're probably not going to hold true to their word. So it's no wonder. So answering the call, right? The name of the episode today, right? And like, why is that so important to me today? Because this show has been running two years. We've had our ups and downs. And I say we by all of us that have even been here along this journey, whether you're a new Pathfinder, you were there from the early days, right? Whether you carried the torch and you had to leave like, like Daedalus, like he had to kind of step away, like whether you carried the torch for a, a year, a month, three months, it doesn't matter, right? 
if you carry the torch and you try to be really objective and and share good information, then you're answering the call. Because I think in this state that games are existing in, like it's probably more important than ever to if you hear bad information to be willing to make a clarification. Yeah. Right. If you care about the genre, I think it's like I'm not going to say it's like your duty. Right. And I'm not trying to get super preachy here, but if you really want the genre to be in a better place, if that's something important to you, and if even Ashes or any other game that I've talked about is important to you, like if you really do, then it's like, well, then I think you kind of have to do your part. It's just an opinion and it's my perspective, but you hear it, bad information. Like I talked about on that, uh, there was a podcast. I, I don't know if you two know about this. There was a podcast I joined about it a week or so ago. And like, there was this really bad information about Ashes and just a lot of misinformation and you know you can try to clarify and everything but you know sometimes that bad information is from influencers and creators who have a very large base right so it may not seem like a lot but one voice can really carry some weight when you are also able to provide facts to support that and they they are out there in terms of ashes right also i want to give a shout out to uh the um oh my god the pantheon plus show uh, Omega Contagion, you brought this uh, brought this information to me late last night, and uh, no, I haven't really responded too much to it. But you know, shout out to them; they they definitely like name dropped at least this channel, and that we talked about some of the games here. So shout out to you all! Uh, thanks for the support and the shout out over on yours. Um, definitely looking uh, forward to kind of checking out more of their content. They definitely cover Pantheon, um, but they also are covering some other things. Um, so anyway. That's kind of been like my soapbox, right? But I wanted to share with both of you some of the information that I kind of got from the developers I talked to over the past week, right? And there was a lot of discussion around uh, almost like the philosophy and the theory behind class design, uh, you know, uh, theory crafting, uh, how you approach the world. And there was something important said, right? There were two things, actually that the heads of both of these uh, development uh, studios were saying that I thought was worth mentioning. Renfell at Saga of Leucemia said that we should be uh, celebrating the differences between games and not trying to homogenize them or essentially like, you know, kind of have them all be one or the same, like really trying to differentiate between them, kind of like enjoy uh, that they are, have their differences and not expect them to be one of the same. The other other one came from <clears throat> uh, Defend the Night, right? And it was this perspective of something also Saga had mentioned, but they don't, they're not really promoting, they're literally under the radar. I think a lot of, a lot of that's on purpose right now because they aren't really trying to like get a ton of eyes. I mean, they want people to come check out the forums and, all of that. And by the way, I'm going to post the link in chat in a little bit uh, that I would encourage you all to go and sign, sign up on specifically for a selfish reason for me. <laughs> I would like Paladin to be the next voted uh, um, class that they release information on and you can help that happen. You also have the power to troll me and vote against me. Yeah. But Hashtag shameless if you want to do me a super <laughs> solid and vote Paladin, I will link that on the video in chat here and the discord and you would honor me truly friends. You really would. And also I'll just be bragging that like the crusaders and pathfinders totally made that happen. I'll be like, ah, anyway, 
alternatively, you can vote for the Enchanter, which is obviously the best class. So I oh, said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. So you're not invited here anymore. I think I know, right? That's, yeah, that's I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so here's here's my my thing. They 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 don't want over defend the night to really even promote any kind of uh, monetization of any kind or anything until they have a product that they're happy with. So they're basically contributing all their time, similar to like Saga was in the early days, literally donated, right? Working jobs. They spent all their free time working on the game and that's basically how it's come along. And they said, we don't want to do any crowdfunding. We're open to it. Maybe down the road, we want to get a product that, you know, in a game that is in at least a playable state that we're proud of first. And props to them because they have weekly updates like clockwork, man, like clockwork on their Twitter and stuff. And so uh, he, they said too, though, that it's going to be right. The indie studios, not the AAA studios that are really probably going to be what carries the genre forward. And I'm just curious what you both think of that. Go ahead, Mist. I, in a way, but I, th- I don't know. The the big companies. I mean, you think like uh, Bethesda, Blizzard, ArenaNet, etc. The big MMOs. I think mm-hmm. they still are important because they bring in a lot of. Um, people who are familiar with their uh, franchises, they bring them into the MMO space. And that is important. Like we can't just have the niche MMO games. We need to have the more mainstream games as well. Uh, as almost like a gateway. Uh, I So I, I think it's a more of a collab work than sort of putting all the burden on the indie studios. Yeah. Um... I don't believe it's going to be the indie studios carrying the genre. There's a very, very small chance that one of them will become big enough to like have their MMO kind of like revive the genre and maybe be at the top of the genre for like a good while, maybe like bring back the golden age of MMOs. Um, but I don't believe it's indie studios who are going to ca- to carry the genre. I don't think that's going to happen and if it does i personally think it's going to be it's going to keep it really small like mm-hmm. a lot of the, the 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 like the platforming games like platforming is kind of carried by indie studios like all these small games that are pretty low budget but are amazingly fun a lot of indie studios do that and like their games are super successful but they don't have that big of a player base. And the thing is, is that like MMOs live, MMOs are at their peak when the player base is at its peak. And I feel like what could happen is that indie studios will prove that MMOs are still well alive, that they still have a bright future. But it's AAA studios that are going to take these indie MMOs and basically do what Ashes of Creation is doing. They're taking the best of all the of what they believe is the best from all the MMOs that existed, and they're putting it all together with a twist, with their own flavor, and they're handing it out to the community. 
And I feel like that's, if it works, if they revive the genre, it's going to be AAA studios like Blizzard did with World of Warcraft. They're going to take, they're going to make an MMO, take what they, what they believed was the best for the genre, make their best game, throw it out there and have an insanely big population like WoW did at its peak. At its peak, what, what was it like? 11 or 12 million people yeah, around there. 12 million around that right yeah and that's just for one mmorpg it's pretty huge like mmos are not for everyone so considering that 11 million is pretty pretty gigantic and i feel like if we manage to if the indie studios manage to bring back the genre to life it's going to be a triple a AAA studio that's going to basically take the reins hmm <clears throat> So you think, I'm kind of wondering too, you know, you think about AAA studios, you think about the money they have to put into it, but you think about like these indie studios, right? That I think of like Saga of Leucemia, and I think of like Defend the Night or Valar, where it's just a handful of devs or maybe even less of nice. And I just realized something. I didn't turn off the uh, audio for my uh, my stuff here. For my Streamlab stuff, so totally just heard that. I apologize, everybody. I meant to turn that off beforehand, but I uh, didn't drop the ball on that one, friends. I'll work on it now. But anyway, uh, you know, I might have been. I mean, I was definitely like paraphrasing too in terms of like what they had said. But the idea of you know, what what uh, what uh, Teal said is that they're the ones. Indie studios are the ones willing to take the risk, and I think that what's interesting is when you think in terms of the the overall like you know population of devs and studios and and the uh, the fans of the genre then i think about you got triple a's and you got these super small indies right then you got like where i kind of feel like ashes is at kind of in the middle right why yeah. because outside of crowdfunding outside of maybe that that kind of indie really kind of small scale developer crew they're kind of like in the middle, like it's still a small group. Sure. Right. In comparison to a triple A studio, but because of Steven's funding, there's, there's kind of like a bit of a, a notch up there, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't put them as an, as an indie studio per se, like by definition, they're an indie studio. Sure. True. But in terms of like, in a, in reality, they for me as you said they're kind of like they're not a small business they're not a corporation true but they're pretty big business still yeah like they're not in the middle yeah they're not adidas they're adidas adidas is that how you pronounce it that's funny i no idea like the sneakers okay so they're not oh like, adidas adidas there you go they're not like a new 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 company or at least they're not like those new companies but they have a massive budget yeah. pretty high-tech stuff they have they they seem to be doing fairly well for themselves and i feel like it's the mmo that's looking the most polished right now it, it's looking like a triple a it's oh, yeah. it, it, like it it's looking yeah. like a triple a triple a mmo and like i don't want to like send like give flack to other like indie mmos but like saga of leucemia or pantheon mm -hmm. or all these games they look indie they look indie as heck ash's creation doesn't not look indie like it looks almost closer to like black desert online in terms of polish 
than than these games. It doesn't mean that they're bad games. It just means that like Scale. it feels like intrepid are like on another level. Yeah, I just hope they can deliver on the gameplay as well as the exactly because that's like the it, thing. And a lot of people have said I particularly responding to various YouTube videos. So you look at the comment section. Most people, the skeptics are saying, well, yes, it looks great, but what's the gameplay like? How does it feel to play? And if the gameplay is not up to scratch, it doesn't matter how pretty it looks. It yeah. can, yeah, it will just fail, unfortunately. Yeah, like if it looks like a AAA game, it's one thing. If it plays like a AAA game, now that's a success in the making. But if it doesn't, it depends on the AAA game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like I, I say that in a like a AAA in a good way. Like if it's a good AAA gameplay, something we expect uh, from something we expect from them, not something that we always get from those studios. But like if it plays well, if it plays like to me, my like my first MMO that really blew me away that I stuck with for a long time was World of Warcraft. And the gameplay from World of Warcraft, when I started playing, like when the game actually came out, was amazing to me. It was so smooth. It was so smooth. And like, it's those small things that you notice, even when your character is just walking, if it feels floaty, you just lost so many, so many players. If your character does not look like it's actually walking on the ground, you lost a of players so like it's those small details that they have to make sure work yeah and say what you like about world of warcraft's uh gameplay and combat it may be quote-unquote boring combat but it is smooth mm -hmm. it is by far the smoothest combat and gameplay of any mmo that i've played yeah whether you find it good or bad it's still this like the smoothest yeah, absolutely. It is polished. Um, yeah. So if Ashes can get to that point, then I think we'll be in a good place. We'll be golden. Mm -hmm. yes. We talked about like that idea of floating too. It's like those are the types of things that, you know, from a from a newcomer's perspective, looking at a game, which is also something I want to touch on. You think about coming and checking out a new game, and you see like the shadows don't connect, so it looks like maybe they're floating because of that kind of like almost like optical illusion to it. So those are the types of things. And of course, I've had this conversation a lot this week and, and made this point a lot this week. When something's in alpha, it's not polished, right? Uh, but when someone sees something being showcased, they want a new game, they're interested in a new game. A lot of times they're going to pass judgment like it's a potential new game. And, yeah. you know, Steam is a great example of where reviews reflect that kind of uh, perspective and behavior, I think. Um, also, Jaziris, thank you for the follow, friend. Um, so here is uh, a couple things that were in chat that I wanted to hit on. Uh, do you think Ashes, if Ashes becomes very successful, your games coming out will go sub-based rather than free-to-play? I think I'm going to answer on that one. I think my thoughts are on that. You guys definitely cue it on or chime in on this one too. But you know, from my perspective, I think it depends on what their overall business model approach is going to be. Because if you think it like a AAA studio, a lot of time what happens cash shops, cosmetics, like sometimes you get loot box sort of things. And so they could go to free to play all day because they know if they tie in some of the best looking stuff in the game to a cash shop, they don't, they, it doesn't matter whether they get sub revenue, they're going to rely on this, right? 
And the enticing perspective is, hey, you don't have to even, some places do where you don't have to pay. There's no box cost to the game or an expansion or get it really free on the holidays and you come play and all the best stuff is here, right? And you have systems where it's like you can buy it and give it to somebody. So then you got creators who are in, you know, incentivizing viewers to hang out for the chance to get it. It still comes down to the game making revenue. Um, you know, but I think from my perspective, I am a big proponent of box cost for the game and expansions. And if you don't, even what they're planning on doing with Ashes, which is a sub model, I like a sub model. I'm a believer in a sub model. I know some people don't and, you know, to each their own, it's just an opinion at the end of the day. But, uh, you know, I, I don't mind a box cost if it's not too ridiculous uh, or too frequent, maybe once a year. Um, and then, you know, like a, the base game and expansion, not a big deal if I'm playing it a lot. And then a sub model is fine with me. But yeah, anyway, on to that, that point, what do you all, what do you all think? I am fine with submodels. Uh, I, as, as you said, you're a, you're a big proponent to box cost, right? Uh, I feel the same way. I mean, I think, I think the best model, the best business model we have for MMOs right now, in my opinion, is Elder Scrolls Online. Like you pay, you buy to play, then you get access to anything, like everything you need to play the game. And if you want more, then you pay a sub. Like if, because like if you don't pay a sub, it's not like you're not going to be able to compete in ESO. Like you, you can still absolutely compete without a sub. And there's a cash shop, but the cash shop is super optional. And no, I don't believe that experience scrolls are necessarily pay to win. Like if Ashes of Creation, like I, I, I understand where where Steven is coming from with Ashes of Creation and the the, the pay to win, uh, kind of like witch hunt that people were having, and that it kind of brought them closer to Ashes of Creation. And I agree with it, but at the same time, I wouldn't have that much of an issue like if experience scrolls were in the game, depending on how the game works. Like in ESO, you can level up a character from like one to max in legit like during xp events in a week in a week or two weeks a if day you don't have a job yeah if you don't have a job two days but like i i i once leveled up a, a character max level in two days and like i didn't even buy an experience scroll so like i'm fine yeah. with those and i think a box cost plus sub would work well I feel like sub only no box cost is going to be a little rough at first for Ashes of Creation. That's kind of what's worrying me because that box cost is kind of like an inject an injection of cash, right? You pay like, let's say for like 30 bucks for the game, even if the player does not play for even a month, the developer still got two months worth of worth of like cash from that player so that's why i feel like it's kind of like secure safe for them to go with a box cost but if they feel confident with that like go ahead just sub only but i don't believe in free to play free to play invites pay to win and it just doesn't work it just kills mmos and then you get just the whales of this world become the pro players and i completely disagree with that i think it's players like uh, as much as people hate, like some people hate him, uh, Fangrush in ESO, like 
that guy is super good or like shroud for example he's super good it's not because you have cash Mm -hmm. that you should be the best It's because you have the best skills and you grinded for the best gear like Mm -hmm. i hate grinding but that's how it should be in my opinion yeah what works for it you go work for it yeah i i agree i hate free-to-play models the only game that i think has done free to play well in a decent manner is league of legends which is free to play and the only thing that you can buy on the uh cosmetics on the on the store that you can't but uh just get in game are the skins and champion skins and, and other cosmetic items and that i think is free to play done well unfortunately most other games they go free to play and like you say it invites the pay to win or the pay to skip the thing about the pay to skip is that um it encourages a dev not to improve their system and we've seen this i think it was uh oh yeah assassin's uh, creed odyssey was a typical example of this they purposely put in a huge amount of grinding in that game just yeah. to encourage people to buy skip the it. yeah to skip to pay to skip through the game and it just makes no sense why am i paying to not play your game how does that make sense <laughs> like that's literally what it is so <laughs> yeah to make it fun They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. good point man why? Yeah. Why I bought the it's game, a damn though. mic drop right there man <laughs> and final final fantasy 14 does the same thing why do yeah what your gameplay is so bad why do i have to pay to not play your game <laughs> no, why am i doing this i just not bother yeah like lecture said <laughs> in, <laughs> in chat there when devs believe more in money than their own product like okay so our products suck so <laughs> let's take advantage of that hey you ready for the you ready for the the interesting thing about that yeah this is gonna be cool he's one of the devs for defend the night lexer <laughs> oh, there you nice. go yeah <laughs> nice right <laughs> see why i like those guys <laughs> and the, yeah i i just don't get it i really don't and of course then it gives the devs an excuse to say oh uh, if you don't like our gameplay just pay the money you can skip it we're giving you the choice yeah. it's all about ch- player choice no it's not get off it's not player choice at all mm-hmm. bastards yeah all right tells you a lot about their philosophy too i think when they're like we worked a lot of hours on this we put a lot of work into this but you don't have to do it if you want to give us more money mm-hmm. yeah. wow dude you're really passionate about that product or project ears there huh yeah <laughs> We, uh, you know, what's funny is we've like definitely gone off the rails a little bit, but we we are going off of chat and you all are bringing up some really good points. And you know what? The thing about ESO um, is that, you know, it, box cost, there's a op- sub model option and then there's the cash shop. But the cash shop, I think, is the biggest, the biggest problem people have with it in terms of monetization. But, you know, what Ashes is doing is no box cost, sub model so it's basically submodel and cash shop. Yeah. The upside, and this is a, you know, I don't know. We aren't going to know till we actually get there. But if they stay true and all of the best looking stuff truly is only in game 
And this stuff is just kind of like, you know, complimentary. It's good, but it's definitely not the really good stuff because all yeah. that you got to get a game. I think it could work and it maybe could be a happy medium to some of the stuff I'm seeing in chat. Um, but uh, there was another thing about we don't really know. I think Mackie had mentioned this in chat a minute ago. We don't really know how much because we were talking about Ash is kind of intrepid dude is kind of is in the middle, right? Like you've got the true indie, right? Low budget. And you've got like AAA. They're kind of like in that middle range. Yeah. And the the thing that Mackie brought up, though, is we don't really know how much money they've gone through or how much that they've been making. And we know they got the monthly cosmetics. And if I was to go with my gut, I would say they're probably making a lot of money because I go back to the true believers. Because we're all every MMO is going to have a true believer. Those are the people that want so badly for the game to deliver on its word, right? Yeah. Which is also the other half of why people are so burned. But that being said, I think that they probably made a pretty significant amount of money off the cosmetics. Think about it. 2017 when it started, right? End of 2017, right? I believe. Uh, yeah. End of 2017. Post Kickstarter. All the way through damn near every month up until March. And only in April and I believe May are we not going to get anymore. And that's because of the COVID-19 work from home situation. Yeah. Right. So. It's just fine. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, you know, coin purse could use a little replenishment at this point for, I think, some people. But for the true believers, that is, right? Um, but, the, um, you know, we have a lot of other points here. In, in regard to the game. And I, I kind of wanted to shift gears here a little bit so we can veer off of our own soapboxes because we could, I think, each of us individually probably just go on for hours about this. So we'll oh, yeah. spare we'll spare you Pathfinders at least a little bit and maybe, you know, next time. One hour is definitely not enough. <laughs> we need more than one hour. <laughs> I'll have to make a podcast called like the Ashen, the Ashen Soapbox. <laughs> we just meet for eight hours. I, yeah. Oh, this is like, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> so, uh, we, in discussing adventure now, there have been, uh, some, uh, dev discussion that was posted on non progression content, which we'll, we'll kind of get to. But initially, we're going to kind of start talking about some of, uh, adventure in a game, right? What are some of the yeah. ways that, um, we kind of respond to a call of action in a game right now for some of us that is a call to arms uh, pvp initiatives right for others it's dialogue narrative uh to others it's the political system which will be in ashes the economic system the rp component not erp we gave that disclosure ahead of time though oh i'm sorry 69 <laughs> 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 Welcome to Ashes Pathfinders, episode 69. Cue <laughs> some Barry Wyatt in the background. What have I done? I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. My future self, which is now, and I already feel bad about it. So it's okay. Mackie's got you covered. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> you can count on Mackie to follow me out there. But let's talking about uh, the approach to engaging with the player, right? What do you find to be the most important way that a that a game especially an MMO can cause you to be more determined to engage in it. Right. 
it, whether that is RP, whether that is all those things we mentioned, what keeps you coming back for more? What is that element that just really keeps you tied in and immersed in it? Oh, in no particular <laughs> order, no pressure, but oh. it's oh, your turn. Okay. I'll, I'll go then. Um, I believe that every game should play to its strengths. And for an MMO, the thing that an MMO can provide that other genres can't is the social aspect. If you make the social aspect engaging and easy to access for people, that they can uh, group up with other people and they can uh, have meaningful player-to-player -player interaction, then that will provide a lot of the incentive for what people want to do. For me, mm -hmm. what keeps me coming back to an MMO would be uh, not counting the social aspects, uh, because I believe if an, M an MMO doesn't have a good social aspect, I'm never going to come back, but I might also never even try it. Like, I'm going to read reviews, I'm going to listen to reviews and all that stuff. And if, if people are like, oh my God, like you can solo that game and never meet another player and you're not going to miss out on anything, I'm not even going to try that game. I'm going to go, I'm going to go play a single player. Um, so not counting the social aspects, I would say a good MMO and I'm the emphasis on the massive in MMO would be hidden treasures. So in exploration, um, I'll take Sea of Thieves, for example. It's it's not even an MMORPG. But in Sea of Thieves, like you're gonna you're gonna stumble on an island and you're gonna find this small little thing that's super cool. Like uh earlier today I was on an island and I it was a volcanic island and I just saw like two skeleton arms and two skeleton eggs, uh, legs coming out of the sand and a big boulder on them. I was like, oh my God, like that guy got crushed during an eruption. And I don't know, it's like these small things that make the world feel alive and make me want to explore some more. And in Elder Scrolls, you have stuff like that. You have these small camps, um, like small abandoned camps that are, it's just a tent and a chair a fishing pole in the sand next to a river and i just see these things and i don't know it just kind of like sparks ideas in me and i'm like oh i could totally role play there with a few friends like it could be super cool it could be really fun and it makes the world feel alive and full of stuff even if it doesn't have that many players so like for me it would be those like little hidden gems in the map which will bring me to the dev discussion that they put on their Twitter. But to continue, it would also be the combat. Because that's the biggest problem I have with a lot of MMOs. It's the combat is so boring or floaty that I can't even play the game. Like, I can't even play the game and feel engaged and immersed. So I just give up and I go play a game that has actual impact and weight to its combat. Mm. Yeah, no, it's completely fair. And mm -hmm. and yeah, the the exploration aspect is very important, right? Because if, yeah. if you don't have that, then you get the wow syndrome, where people are literally just staying in the towns the whole yeah, time and they don't move. Exactly. 
they don't explore and, the world. You go out into wow the world. Like, yeah, and WoW had like big exploration stuff that was fun in vanilla. Back when the game was brand new to players and you discovered things, even glitches in the map before flying mounts, for example. I went to like um what's the second dwarven area that's kind of like a big lake with the dam. Oh, I know what oh. you're talking about. Frozen? Yeah, yeah. I do too. Done uh, done something. Yeah, done something. And near the entrance of that map, uh, there's like a small gap in like the the the, the mat's wall mm-hmm. that you could like jump and just keep jumping with your mount and eventually you would like make it out of the boundaries of the map. And I legit spent like eight hours trying to remake like redo that glitch. And it was so fun, even if it wasn't intended by the devs and it was it's considered an exploit it was so much fun that i just wanted to keep doing it and keep coming back to it and when when i had a new friend that played this game and i was like once you're in that map like just tell me and i'm gonna teleport to you and like we do that you're gonna freak out it's gonna be so cool dude did you uh there were a couple in wow right and i i want to say it might have been oh man i'm trying to remember was it cataclysm was it in Cataclysm? Someone here, if you all, or even on the YouTube later, if you remember this, let me know. Um, but there was a spot in Orgrimmar where you could get into like the the wall of the city, and you literally could go up through it. And you know when they re yeah it was it was it was in uh, it was yes because they redid Orgrimmar then right yeah and yeah, that was that. part of the thing that you know how they had they have this like rock. And it's like mm-hmm. by one of the the towers where the flight master is at, like middle middle-ish of org. But there's this uh, kind of like rock formation that goes up, and there's like this kind of larger rock at the top. You can literally go. You could. They patched it. You could go up through there. And these Easter eggs are freaking fascinating, right? Because those are just really interesting moments. You could go up there, and you get to the top, and there was like you know this like flat area, and it was like an adventurer's backpack and a skeleton, and there was a yeah. note. And it was basically for a dev who had passed away. That's cool. And they ended up patching yeah. it and you couldn't find it again. But stuff like that for me is just, oh, those moments. It brings you back. Like, it's it really funny. It's moments that, like, you tell your friends years later, like, about that story. There's one in ESO when you go through, I think, Malabal Tor and you jump over the river full of, uh, full of the, 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 the fish that eat you i I'll never remember the name and you can go past the past uh varen's wall and the gold coast and you could go in areas of cyrodiil that they were kind of mapping out and if you have an add-on that mm-hmm. shows you a mini map you can basically see the devs that wrote like skin grad on the map feeling <laughs> like elven ruins and all that stuff and it's on the mini map but when you run you just see those dark kind of tiles on the ground but you need the mini map to be able to see it like skin grad and then what? you have like an imperial town that has still, no texture you still do anywhere. that yeah i think you can still oh, do that oh shit okay uh, he's, he seems gonna do that <laughs> yeah i am gonna do that <laughs> there you go tomorrow on my stream watch <laughs> yeah they just going back to wow it, even something as simple as being able to get underneath storm winds like mm-hmm. that was like an exclusive club. You get underneath Stormwind and other people were there. It it was like you were in the yeah. You in, had like 10 it was almost like Fight Club. There. Yeah, it was literally Fight Club. Rule. 
So like, it's those things that are fun. And I feel like even if you don't have those glitches, like let's talk about Ashes of Creation because that's the topic we're on. Yep. Even if they don't have these glitches in the Ashes of Creation, we can glitch out of the map. If you have those small things that are kind of like a challenge to access to, but then as you do it and you're just exploring, you're just like, oh, I can jump on that rock and I can jump on that rock. Like, oh, I fell. I'm going to try again. You do that for like two hours and then you reach a camp and you see two sandals and a slice of bacon. There you go. <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, my God, <laughs> they totally yeah. intended for us to be there. Here's an Easter egg like this is going to be a moment that even if even if you're like on the other side of your monitor, you're going to be smiling. You're going to be like, oh, that's so cool. So those are the things that really bring me, like, make me want to go back to an MMO. They're going to release a new zone. I'm going to be like, I need to explore the place so bad. Hell yeah. Yeah, no one ever found the sandal in APOC either. Wait, was there supposed to be one? Yeah, it was supposed to be on the map somewhere. Yeah, no one found it. it. We never found it. There were people who tried. They spent the entire testing periods looking for it and no one found it. Oh, oh, we did. Find Where was it? Evidence or it didn't happen. Screenshot. We need screenshot. Icks or fake? What? <laughs> How did I not know about did? this, you guys? Wait, oh, let me. What? Oh, I'm gonna go. mute. Hold on. Go to the wiki. <laughs> All right, I'm good. I'm good. I just had to like let that out a little bit. How did, did I not know about that? Find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except I'll drop that <laughs> f bomb. Zero fucks given. So I mean. <laughs> Wow, are you serious? I need it in Discord. Somebody, please. This is your mission. If you choose to accept it, please do. And also remember the forum post for Defend the Night. Paladins need to be number one. Lexer, yeah, that's right, man. No, enchanters. <laughs> don't listen. Don't listen to Wandering Mist. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, dude. But no. No, this is not the way Crusaders and Pathfinders carry the torch. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no Lex that's enough dude I don't care if you're dead uh, there was Stop. one underground in the shrine and then one on top of the temple at the gateway no way mind oh, is blown one. dude please tell me someone has pictures of that on the forums dude Look. man I'm just kind of like <laughs> right now I never thought they found it. How did this pass by me? More importantly, how did all of you not tell me? <laughs> Wait, Sim. It's a conspiracy. No, no, no. You're <laughs> supposed to tell us. Oh, shit. <laughs> My bad. You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn. Okay, man. Well, yeah, if you find it, you never asked, of course. Why that response that thought you key. knew? Oh my god. I fell you all. I fell you all. All right. So let's look at some of the other points here, right? We talked about ways to keep people engaged. Uh this is an interesting one. I and I this is we have not really uh the three of us, like I've talked to others in the community about theory crafting, class identity, and stuff like that. We haven't really done that, right? So I'm curious in, in in getting both of your perspectives on this. I don't really have a whole lot to talk about because I've ranted about it plenty here. What do you two feel uh, is an important element in creating class identity? Or even to like branch off of that if you want, 
what is important to you in class identity? Yeah, so I'm I'm a big follower of uh, Preach. I don't know if anyone knows uh, Preach. He's uh, he's a WoW content creator. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy, absolutely fantastic. And he has a term that he calls the moment of glory, which he defines as something that only your class or your spec can do that happens rarely and it makes you feel great about being that class. Um, so for an example for me was uh, playing WoW, playing a elemental shaman, and there would be those very rare occasions where all of my cooldowns would line up and there'd be this big AoE pack and I could literally go Super Saiyan on it. Like, I would literally turn into Thor, I would become the lightning god, and I would unleash the elements on them, on my enemies, and obliterate them. He's and it so felt hard. amazing. It felt so good. And that's the moment of glory. That, that kind of feeling where you, you think, yes, this is why I play this game. This is why I play this class. Um, and with that in mind, I believe that every class should have that moment of glory or some kind of moment of glory um, in order to create engaging gameplay? For me, I'd say it's... To really give a class its identity, it would be the small things. Like, you have those big things like that that make a class really unique, right? Like, as you said, when you line up, when you get the perfect rotation, and you just destroy everything. And that's really fun because like you you know that no other class can do it. Only yours can do that. For me, it can be in the small things. And I feel like that's kind of what they're trying to do in Ashes with um, the, 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 the class skills that they have. Uh, like the ranger that can track people, the mage that can unlock certain places. Only this main class can do it. If you have it as a subclass, it's not going to work. Only your main. And I feel like that's really fun. And like, even though it wasn't a class thing, it was more of a race thing in World of Warcraft back in the days when I played it. One thing that made me really enjoy Night Elves was that they could front flip sometimes when you jumped. Yeah. Only them could front flip sometimes yeah. when you jumped. And that was really cool. I was like, okay, so only night elves can do that. Like, it's one of these things that make them rather unique. And I feel like it doing the class ability that they're doing, and it's more of like a flavor thing. Those class abilities, tracking, opening those special doors, I'm sure you can access those areas even if you don't have a mage in your group that can unlock that wall he's just gonna enable like unlock a shortcut it like even if you can do that it's still so much fun to be able to do it you just feel so useful and you feel like you're the mage in the group you feel like the wizard the gandalf in the hobbit you're like i'm the only one who can do that i'm the only one who can defeat those trolls by turning them to stone. Like, it's really, really fun, and it gives a class that really punch, that makes it so it cannot be replaced in any way, shape, or form. Very interesting. Yeah, you know, it's always, I always find it interesting because your examples are so much different than some other people I've talked to. 
Right. Some people, it's like the elements of PvP and and how my skills look. For other people, it's yeah. what is like the narrative for the quest line for my class or my character and how that ties into all of that. Right. So many different things that can play a factor. But, uh, you know, this definitely leads into another discussion. Right. Which is in terms of skill design. Right. When you look at things like your ability to have fluidity is what I call it. Uh, with, you know, that connection between how I'm controlling my character, I'm clicking on the keyboard, I'm moving my mouse or I'm angling my camera. Like, does it feel organic to me? Like, do I feel like the response time is, you know, the momentum in terms of panning my camera or moving my character or jumping, which is one that always is a big one for me. Like if my jump, if I feel like I'm like locked into that animation, even though I jumped in a direction, it doesn't seem like it's got like that momentum to it. Or if the controls yeah. are clunky, like for me, that's one that just will really turn me off to playing a game. Um, and one recently that I tested was this game called Valar, and it's like way early, way early in development. It's literally two guys. That's it. But I jumped in and tested it out, and I was shocked by how fluid the movement was. And I was like, from my perspective, for me, I was like, that's awesome. Like, I don't even have that problem I've had in games where that's what I need almost more than anything just to orient myself to the game and run around in the world. But uh, for you all, what are some elements that you find to be really important? Like if you had to weigh them out, what's something more important to you than something else? Yeah, the combat definitely, it should be, it's not just how it looks, but how it feels. It's got to feel, as you said, you don't want floaty combat. And even I remember going way back a bit, um, some of the first pre-alpha combat trailers that we saw from Ashes, and one of the big criticisms on one of those videos was, ooh, uh, this combat looks and feels very floaty. Even just watching it, not even playing it, even just watching it, it felt very floaty. And a lot of people gave that feedback. So, of course, Intrepid went, right, okay, we're going to change our entire animation structure and give more weight to the combat. And I think they, they've they done that so far. So prop, props to them for doing that. Yeah, for me, it would be kind of like both of what you guys said, a fluidity. It has to be fluid. If the game is not fluid and it feels floaty, I'm going to have a hard time staying for the long run. Um, I'm having a few problems with some of the biggest MMOs right now. I love them. I love the lore. I'm a big fan. I cannot stand their combat. The combat is just, it just feels clunky. It just feels floaty. And I feel like, as you said, like um, when we were playing Apocalypse at first, when they first did Apocalypse in Ashes, I kept on always saying that the combat, even though it was very fast paced and it was fun and short, which is good for a BR, like a battle royale for an MMO, it's different, but for a battle royale, it was really fast paced and it was appropriate. My problem was I feel like I'm always hitting the air. I felt like I was just like slashing mm. the water with my sword. Right. And then they just released that video of their usual base model, base like stock Unreal Engine 
character model that annoys me as all crap, but <laughs> it, they just posted a video of the guy on the tower that hit another player, and there was this little <sighs> shake in the map, and it stopped. I saw that, I was like, oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> you made it stop. Just like BDO, you made it boink against the character, <laughs> and I was like, that is that is exactly what I want. It made it fluid. It made it connect. It made it so something is hitting something else. I'm not just slashing the air. Yeah. And I feel like if they continue on improving that, uh, this game is just going to be a, like a lot of fun. It just needs to be fluid. And it's the small things. Everyone noticed it in the first five seconds of the stream when they previewed Alpha 1. The shadows are off. Everyone was like, okay, everything's floating above the ground. So, like, it's those small things that make that can make a game look clunky. And as they fix them, it can make or break a game. So, like, if they fix the combat, if they fix the damn shadows and put them under their feet, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's gonna be really fun. Oh my god, chat, you guys are hilarious. So Lexer said, if your character doesn't feel right, you don't feel right playing it. It's like trying to immerse yourself in combat, but all you see is your character dancing awkwardly. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is really hard to immerse yourself if you don't feel like you're even connecting with your own character. Yeah. Right. Good. Good. Yeah. yeah very true. And unless you want an awkward dance simulator, that's too real life for me. Yeah. So I'll give like a, another good example of an MMO that really nailed something to make it fluid. It's not even combat. Yeah. It's mounts in Guild Wars 2. Mm. Oh, yes. When they the released mounts in so Guild good. Wars 2, I was like, I just want a horse, dude. Why are you giving me a raptor? I'm like, what the crap is this? Why do I have a bunny? <laughs> like all that stuff. <laughs> but then you get on the mount and you do, you find you don't feel like you're controlling your character. You feel like you're the character trying to convince the mount to go in this direction. And that's how it should feel like. Elder Scrolls mm. Online with the mounts, that doesn't work. Yeah. Wow, with the mounts, it doesn't work. It's a cosmetic speed boost. Yeah. But for Guild Wars 2, they nailed it. Their yeah. mount system is perfect. And I don't necessarily expect Ash's creation to do it this way because it seems to take a lot of work. But and, and it's, it's just those small things. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of pointless to do it because it's so much work. In Guild Wars 2, they had to release new zones that made it so those mounts were relevant. <laughs> yeah. But, but not, like, not only that, awesome. but, but Guild Wars 2, the mounts, every mount feels different. Mm -hmm. Where in other MMOs, every mount, regardless of what it looks like, feels the same to uh, ride. Whereas in Guild like Wars 2... Boost. Yeah, it does. And... Whereas in Guild Wars 2, every mount feels different. Like, yeah. you get on the Raptor and start going around the Raptor, it feels completely different to the giant bunny. Mm -hmm. Or the griffin. Like, they all feel super different, but they're so much fun. And as I said, I don't expect Ash's creation, I don't, I don't expect, like, Intrepid to do that. But it's just to show that it's the small things that you know that your players are going to have to do often the things that they have to do the most, like the more, the most often, you need to nail those. Even if it's just walking, even if it's just being able to sit on a chair, if you do these things right, players are going to stick around. 
Yeah, mounts and ESO, man. It gets rough too because when your mount speeds up really high, or you use like the uh, was it the uh, charging uh, maneuver or retreating maneuver, busts your your movement speed overall. So if you're on your mount, and you've got sixty percent increased movement speed, and you got that going. I mean, dude, you'll fly right off a cliff. You you know, yeah. mounting and, and dismounting or unmounting or whatever the word is appropriate for that, but dismount right dismounting when yep. when you're uh when you're mounting or dismounting like there's like that moment and heaven help you if the server is congested and having issues if you could stop falling through the world it would be great but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think that's a bit too much to hope for from bethesda let's be honest <laughs> oh feels bad man they bring it on themselves and it's not like this is the first game they've released that has you falling through the world or has janky mounts. Yeah, but the problem always comes back to the engine and like the engine they're using is old and they can't even get cloaks in that game. And Cyrodiil looks like a desert because oh, it used to have it used to have deer, rabbits, everything and forests in Cyrodiil, but they had to remove 95% of that and cloaks because the game just crashed on login because of it. So like it's just their engine was already like their rendition of the engine was already old and outdated as soon as they started using it to develop the game. Intrepid is using Unreal 4, which is a, a really new engine. The problem we have with it is that it's it's not proven. It's not proven to work. So like we'll see about that. But it might have bugs that will last the entirety of Ash's creation's life. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, there's like there's like bugs in ESO that have been there since launch that I am confident are never going away. One of them is what you when you go to your guild bank, you'll have a load on there trying to withdraw or deposit. Yeah. And it'll sometimes it's just you'll click on items and put them in there. And sometimes you'll get you'll get paused like you can't deposit another thing because it's still processing your request to deposit yeah. that item. And I'm going Things like this, I mean, this is just a fundamental component to your game, in my in mm -hmm. my opinion. And if it didn't work in and it continues to not work, that's a continuing problem. Or you're like promoting three people in your guild, one after the other, and at the third person, like, still processing social <laughs> requests for like five minutes. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna move on to something else. I think <laughs> might might actually be very very uh, a very passionate perspective for at least one person here. How does RP impact how you answer that call to action in different elements in a game? Right, you can feel free to pick one. You know, touch on multiple, uh, but social quests, communities. I mean, narrative. What are some of your examples? What are your what are your thoughts around that? So let's start. Yeah. Role play. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so um role play slows me down so much in games because I will spend two hours in a game. Like when it came out, I would spend two hours at the starting zone for humans in Ash in, uh, in World of Warcraft. I would just stand there for two hours and be like, oh my God, that tree is so well placed. It's insane. Do you see a porch <laughs> on this crate? But like, 
I'm a sucker for these things. And like I get I go in a tavern just to turn in and quest and I see three people role playing. I'm legit going to do like slash lean back flip coin in ESO against the wall and just like stand there and watch their conversation for an hour and a half, even if it's the most boring thing ever. Roleplay makes me want to log into a game and just enjoy every single moment of it. And it makes me, it gives me the time to really appreciate the hard work that the developers put into the game. It makes it so instead of me just rushing through the content and be like, oh my God, I have the best stats I could ever have in the present meta that's going to change next patch. I'm just going to be questing and enjoying that statue that I'll never see anywhere else that no players will ever notice, but it's a statue in a ruin that's just tilted to the side and we'll never see it again. But I'll be like a developer probably spent like at least like an artist probably spent like at least five hours making that statue and it shows and it makes this place really look like a ruin. So it's these things that make me want to log into a game and enjoy every aspect of it. That's true for Bless Online. Even if that game was broken as all hell, it was beautiful. And I tried to like, I tried to role play in that game, but you couldn't even have messages longer than a damn tweet post <laughs> so but i found forts that i spent 45 minutes just running around in in bless online because they were beautiful and i was like oh my god like we could rp as like a military military guild there and that would be really fun or world of warcraft with like the dam that we never got to or for like only one quest but it looks beautiful in that dwarven zone or Elder Scrolls Online with uh, Coglin Village and Stormhaven that's used for one quest and you never go there again. But it's such a well-made village and it's full of like little tidbits of efforts put in by the artists and designers in the game. So to me, role play and role players in an MMORPG are so important because they're, they're what gives an MMO its life. We talk about the social aspects and you could you could fill a city with NPCs, but it's not going to feel alive without the players. And the role players really take that and bring it to it and like take it to another level. Definitely, definitely. And you can really see, again, it's the, as you mentioned before, Pasha, the, the little things that can really just improve that even if just as simple as um certain emotes that you can do that really just bring the rp to life and allows you yeah. to do so much with it mm. um on a side well not rp related but a little bit of a tangent i'm always a little bit wary whenever people sort of try and hammer through immersion and, oh, I want my game to be more immersive uh, for mm. the RP value. And there needs to be a balance between immersion and functionality. I think uh, there's one game in particular that I've brought up in the past, particularly on the forums when people have asked for more immersion, and that's uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which, I, if any of you have played that, is 
they went all out in terms of the immersion. It's one of the most immersive games out there. It is. But at the same time, that is one of its downsides. Yeah, it does too much because you literally (laughs) spend so long caring for your horse because you have to, because that's the immersion, that you can't do anything else. It's like Farmville for that one horse. Mm, it is. Christ. <laughs> and not not to mention that I, hopefully this won't get us banned on Twitch, but um, for some reason in Red Dead Redemption 2, they gave the horses genitals and <laughs> <laughs> they made them so okay, realistic. I'm going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, they made them so realistic that um, the genital size changes depending on the weather and the what's going on outside so when you go into the freezing cold areas they shrink could you imagine <laughs> being just, the developer in charge you... of that i know right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who thought that was a good idea yeah and... you put that in your resume for an interview so what did you do on <laughs> red dead redemption oh, i was the guy in charge of balls <laughs> So that's what I did for two and a half years. Yeah, just going about riding your horse, you know, out in the out in the open world, and you hear something drop. Horse got host, horse got frostbite. <laughs> Gotta stop right there. Gotta make sure I calm oh, my horse down. God, that's too funny. It it's it's sad because they um, <laughs> even things like. Uh, for example, opening a door. When was the last time you actually saw a character in a game physically reach out with their hand and open a door? Yeah. It doesn't happen. You know True. why it doesn't happen? Because the animation for that would take far too long and it would get very tiresome. And players won't yeah, care. Yeah, they, they won't. So it's one of those things where you've got to suspend your disbelief a little bit in order to get proper functionality and yeah. to make the gameplay flow. And like for role play purposes, like any any good, not even any passable role player, they want to do an emote, like an emote that they're walking into a bar. They're just gonna say like slash e opens the door and gets to the bar and orders and mug of ale. Like you don't need to have the damn animation of opening the door. We won't care about that. But as as uh, Makinoji said, like. That that's the wonderful thing about AOC is that we're going to be able to build our own freeholds, have our own places and cities, and one of the best things ever. And I can't wait to be doing that because I want to own a tavern in Ash's creation. It's we're going to be able to to post quests, and we're going to be able to serve drinks and oh, food man. and have parlor games. And I'm a role player, and like, oh my god, and this is. So cool in terms of opportunities. Like I will spend so much time there. I like I swear my my evaluations at work will be horrendous <laughs> for the first year. <laughs> so what'd you do today, Louis, at work? Well, I thought about doing a quest for my meat pies, and um, <laughs> I'm pretty low on carrots. So I'm gonna have to organize that for the next week. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> That's too funny. You know, it's really interesting that you brought up uh, like we were, I was talking yesterday on the Golden Feather about the idea of uh, billboards 
And I think it was like Lolly had posted something about, you know, their uh, potential like bar or whatever. And I was like, you know, thinking about the ideas of posting a flyer, like it would be really cool to be able to like go and post like your own flyer, like some custom flyer that they could maybe approve every so often. If you ran a business in the game, you could submit this thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, hey, devs. You know, we approve this. They kind of do a, you know, every so often they, you kind of have, you know, maybe every three months quarterly, you can create a new flyer for a particular service you're wanting, you know, and they approve it. And then you can go post it up on the billboard and, you know, that stuff like that. Town hall. Yeah. Something like that'd be really cool. Um, Town hall, newspapers, <clears throat> even. Oh, man. Like, it could be so cool having a newspaper editorial. Like in in the metropolis and players are in charge of that and it just gets approved. Like there's one GM Dang. per metropolis that's like five GMs. So like it's not that much of a resource. And they just read it and proof it. It's like there's nothing that breaks our policies in there and mm. just post it. That could be so much fun. Right. It could. I think we need to dial back the expectations a little bit. Oh, hey, God, don't get started. Um, we can don't get me started on horse testicles, man. Hey, man. <laughs> oh my God. I, I regret bringing that up now, but yes. Well, this no, episode. It's not going to be a bunny girl, Mackie. No, no, we're funny. not doing this. So I think we can say that this was our episode of you know and there was also you you know we mentioned in the beginning which was talking about the forum post on non-progression content that dev discussion was literally saying what are some of your favorite things to do in online games that aren't progression related and this friends is how you do an hour and 20 minutes episode yeah on a dev discussion Exactly. With the multiple tangents that we go off of. But. Yeah, that I mean, in your forums. And one. Yeah, put that in your forums. Let's just go in there and post <laughs> on there and be like, that's that's what you do in non-progression content. But like, Check that what box. I wanted to post, and I think I'm going to be posting it later tonight or maybe like tomorrow uh, in that dev discussion is, you know, when earlier I was talking about like finding those abandoned camps, uh, something like that that I think would be really cool in Ashes of Creation is you have those abandoned camps, but you can just like press E or F or whatever their interaction button will be on an extinguished fire camp and it just lights the fire camp up and you can sit on that chair. It's nothing big. They have animations for fire camps that have flames. Just being able to do that, it's non-progression, but you're gonna, it's gonna be so much fun still for like a lot of people. It's going to be a few hours lost for like a good handful of role players. So like, why not do it? Yeah, I agree. So there were some other points and I'm going to kind of want to wind this down because we try not to go over. <laughs> I, I can't. The chat is... Like, sir, I can't. I can't. I can't. But it, that, that, I'm, yep, yep. I'm having a TV moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm being good. 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 Okay. <laughs> So there's one last point and we'll kind of, we had a few points to follow up or to kind of end with. And I try not to go over hour and a half uh, episodes at the, at the most, just because, well, I don't know how many people can stand listening to a few guys rant about video game stuff clearly enough, but um, what do you think is the number one thing if you could 
just pick one and you had to pick one and talking about variety and gameplay and avoiding stagnation. What's the one thing that a dev can do or a game can embody that can't avoid that. We probably hit on it a little bit already, but in wrapping things up, no pun intended. No. In terms start. of variety, <laughs> you, you want to go? Go, no, 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 go, go? No, go ahead, Miss. Oh. I was saying, Sim, don't start I didn't, wrapping uh, things up. I didn't. I did. I, I retracted my <laughs> statement. I retracted my statement. I retracted. Um, in, in terms of variety of gameplay, just giving people multiple different ways to achieve the same result, and in, it, especially when it comes to leveling up. Mm-hmm being able to do multiple different things. This is why I believe that uh, Guild Wars 2 has the best leveling experience of any MMORPG because of the way it's designed you get to choose. You can, mm. every, every part along the way, if you want to just do combat, you can just do combat. If you want to do some more lore elements or uh, gathering, you can do that. If you want to do crafting, you can do that. And they all contribute to the leveling and you can really mix and match how you want to go about it i really really like that and i applaud the devs uh arena net for putting together that system oh yeah for me to avoid stagnation in an mmo it's all about like yeah the leveling experience is super important but depending on how they do it like let's say it's like eso and you get you reach max level in like two days if you really put yourself through that work uh it's after your max level what you can do and what should feel fun and not just a grind because at some point when you've been playing the same mmo for two years the more a player plays an, a, an MMO, the more everything they can add into the game will just feel the same because they're basically adding the same content with different skins and you can't blame them because it's so much work. You got to create new assets and everything. So it's to me, it's all about making that, that gameplay at the end game and what you can do and what you can unlock as you progress past the max level, it's all about making this the most interactive and interesting for a player. Do not go the Elder Scrolls route with the champion points. It's the most boring thing ever. Who cares about dodge rolls costing 2.5% less stamina? (laughs) Like, oh my God, I just spent a week grinding to reach that percentage. Like that's not fun. Guild Wars 2 on the other on the other hand, where you could like level up your proficiency or like your mastery of a certain weapon for your subclass, like for the daredevil, for the for the rogue, for example. Mm-hmm. That's super fun because even though you're max level, you can still go so much farther into your class progression and you can feel so much more unique in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guild Wars 2's horizontal progression is the best of any MMO yeah. I've seen, not just in terms of the combat, but also the 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 mastery system. Just being able to uh, explore um, like talent trees, as it were, that allow you to explore the world in a different way. Yeah. Being able to access different uh, systems of travel, 
and ways of going about it. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I love like it. I love if it so they want to poach a few developers, if they have the money and the desire to poach a few developers from MMO studios, please go poach a few from ArenaNet because those guys know what they're doing with MMOs. I don't play that game anymore, but like I, uh, I hella respect that game. It has so much Definitely. going for it. It's just aging. It just it's it's yeah. just old. Like all the MMOs out there right now, they're just old. We and will the see only what ones happens, that don't though. look old, they're just pay to win mess. And you're dressed as a bush as an endgame gear set. BDL. I'm really excited to see what I mean, we've got the both with World of Warcraft and Guild Wars 2, we've got the new expansions that are uh being announced. I am mm. really curious to see what they do with those expansions instead i've seen some of the footage so far it looks promising i want to see what they what they do with it yeah. it's going to be really cool it's a it's a good opportunity for uh, intrepid studios to be attentive and observe what's going on because even if it's not something they can use straight off the bat like with the point in development where they're at right now it's something they will have to deal with years later down the road so take a page out of like those experienced developers on how they do things. World of Warcraft, they did so many mistakes. Don't do those mistakes. And they're about at the end of their lives with World of Warcraft, but they're trying to bring it back to life. So we'll see what they can do. Same I think they will. Wars. Same for I Guild think Wars. Like bring they, it back. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe, we'll see. The oh, game is man. still aging a lot. I checked out on WoW, man. I was going to read a few comments from chat that I thought were really good, though. One that Lexer had said uh, was be a part of your own community. See what's lacking for yourself and act accordingly. And coming from a dev, that's pretty good to hear. Uh, Cheryl's just kind of piggybacked off what I said and said rant constructively quite a while. Rant in a gatekeeper, negative teardown mode. Five minutes is too long. Talking about, you know, this being a hour and a half show today. But I agree with that. And then Mackie also brought up, don't limit the morality of our choices and quests. There's more than good and evil. Maybe I just want to walk away. Right. And yeah. um, I think with that being said, I kind of want to wrap this up with some final thoughts. If y'all have any, um, just kind of in terms of you know, overall, what we've talked about, any highlights, final thoughts, if you will, in terms of just kind of what we've discussed today, anything you want to make sure you follow up on that you had staring you in your mind real quick. I don't think so. Um, one one thing that obviously we don't have time to really talk about it today, but one thing that I think has been neglected a little bit by the community mm. is um, the social organizations that were highlighted. Yeah. I don't know if any of you remember that, but basically it's the NPC-led guilds. Yes. Think like guilds from the old Elder Scrolls games. It's that kind of like the thieves guilds for example yeah basically right. join the guilds i think that is a really cool system and i am now very curious to see what intrepid do with that because there are um, lots of potential for that yeah me too we had a and i wouldn't mind if they put one. these i wouldn't mind if they put these social organizations on the back burner if it's too much work but they have to keep it in the game because it's a great idea yeah. it's a great idea especially for like future dlcs like if you want to take a page out of ESO's book and dedicate a year to a storyline, 
like uh, they did with elsewhere what they're doing with like uh Harrowstorm and the the, the nord storyline if they want to do that and dedicate a year to the thieves guild storyline and a year to the merchants guild storyline and all these things and implement content go for it because those are great windows of, of opportunity for gameplay and lore and just player satisfaction overall mm -hmm. yeah they're gonna have to include those anyway because those were kickstarter uh stretch goals yeah so yeah, they were actually and those and that's another good point too that might be something that we look at here on the show in the near future is you know it's been two years and one of the things that i have been very contemplative about uh just reflecting on the length of this show is you know there was a lot of inspiration around the game at kickstarter a lot of things that really you know lit the fire you know really kind of caused a lot of us to feel passionate about the game there are plenty of reasons that still keep us inspired and passionate right but you know one of the things i've been contemplating about doing and i'm probably going to start doing is going back and picking some of those kickstarter points and kind of seeing where we're at as we're mm -hmm. moving forward a bit like where have we been at what's been disclosed um where do we kind of as a community like to see more development or even sharing around this from the devs Maybe even discussion yeah. in the community, and I think that could be something that could be really, you know, positive and healthy for for all of us in terms of keeping that torch lit, fire burning, and maybe even uh, some showcase from the devs on that. But um, yeah. with that being said, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure, and everybody here that joined us, you Pathfinders rock. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you to you two for your time, uh, Pacha and Wondering Mist. You want to shout out your content if you have it. Let people know where they can find you and and check in on any of your stuff and things. Absolutely, go ahead, Mist. Uh, okay, for me, I've actually recently brought back my YouTube channel. I'm planning on doing some more stuff on there. That's fun. So you can find me. My YouTube channel is just Wandering Mist. And apart from that, you can find me on the forums and the Ashes Discord from uh, with the same name. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm pretty active right now. So, yeah, shoot me. <laughs> shoot me. Not shoot. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> A so message I'm or check him out. Darkness. Yeah. No, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you're up for 36 hours. You start to lose just yeah. brain lose function. Half your sentences, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Gosh, man. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, you see it here on uh, uh, on there, right, right below here. My name is Pasha. You can find me on, on mixer.com slash Pasha TV or on Twitter uh, at TV Pasha because Pasha is always taken elsewhere by, by a dumb nightclub line and you're not more popular than i am shut up you're crying <laughs> so or you can find me on discord uh at just my name is pasha so you can find me there uh i stream everywhere every uh sunday i'm gonna be streaming this wednesday some uh, fallout 76 wastelanders to see how this game is doing cool sweet and i want to that'll be interesting i want to promote yeah. the uh ashes pathfinder so it's at ashes pathfinder on twitter we i created a specific channel that will announce 
you know, and also retweet all of the uh, Ashes stuff, but also this show when it's on uh, YouTube and when it's going live, the next show that's planned, who's on it and all of that. So definitely could use some more follows over there. That's where all of the origination for this show's uh, promotions will be. Also, you can join the Crusader Discord, uh, which is my community and where we have a lot of discussion about Ashes of Creation. Uh, so it's Simorg, or it's actually going to be discord.gg forward slash Simorg, S-I-M-U-R-G-H, like my name is spelled. And of course, you can catch me on all the stuff and things that you find this on. But uh, most importantly, Pathfinders, thank you so much for joining us today. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. And until Absolutely. next week, we will catch you on stream, friends. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Ciao.